Amen. You can be seated. Welcome to Edge Church on this snowy Sunday morning. It's great to have all of you who are joining us online, as well as those of you that are here in person. Today, I want you to open your Bibles to the 14th chapter of the book of Luke. And as you're turning there, maybe you heard about Ruby Garcia. She was the teenager in La Jolla, Mexico, who was turning 15. She got on Facebook along with her parents and invited everyone to attend her 15th birthday party celebration. She announced the bands that would be playing. There was going to be a Mexican horse race, food festivities. Everyone was supposed to come. Little did they know, though, that this YouTube video would go viral, literally reaching people around the world. 1.2 million people RSVP'd for the birthday party. And the video was shared 978,000 times. Oh my goodness. Celebrities were sending birthday wishes to this young lady. Um, the Mexican airliner offered a discount for people who wanted to fly to the birthday party. Corporate sponsors signed up to participate in the party. One of the mayors of the neighboring town gave her a car. This became like the crazy thing. And it was all because of an invitation. T today I want to talk to you about an invitation to a party. It's a party that's even more consequential than Ruby's 15th birthday party. It's an invitation to a party in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus began to describe this in the gospel of Luke chapter 14. It's interesting because many of Jesus' most profound moments of teaching centered around parties, food, and other gatherings. For example, in John chapter 2, Jesus begins to teach the people about the water that he turned into wine. He was at a wedding festival, a wedding celebration. Uh, the book of Revelation chapter 19 tells us that, that one day we're going to uh, eat at the wedding supper of the Lamb at the end of time when the dead in Christ are raised and, and all who, are, have, who have faith in Christ are in heaven. We will eat of that sacred dinner. Um, Jesus talked about a great party in Luke chapter 15, actually. He told about the parable of a, a son that had left his home um, and, and had left so in, in a poor way, but he came home and there was a huge celebration. Listen, anybody who doesn't understand the parties of the Bible has never really been a student of Scripture. The Bible has so much to say to us about parties, and today I want us to look at this parable that Jesus spoke about where he talked about a party. Now, Jesus would often use parables to illustrate spiritual points. Parables are short little stories that have profound spiritual meanings. And in Luke 14, Jesus is gathered at the house of a leading Pharisee, the Jewish religious establishment, and they're going to trick Jesus or attempt to trick Jesus. When Jesus arrives at the party, there's a man that is sitting there that is very ill. The scripture says that his whole body is swollen up. 
And it's the Sabbath day. And there's no doubt that the Pharisees are not so concerned about the sick man. They're concerned about making a point with Jesus because everyone knew that under the Jewish tradition, you were not to heal sick people on the Sabbath day. For that was the day of worship. So now Jesus is in a quandary. Is he going to heal the man and break the Jewish tradition? Or is he going to succumb to the desires of the Pharisees? And Jesus heals the man. And as the Pharisees are upset with him, Jesus responds by giving them a story. And in that story, he illustrates a, a powerful spiritual point about spiritual parties. Look with me, if you would, there in, in uh, Luke 14, beginning in verse 12. Um, let me read this. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your sisters or your relatives and your rich neighbors. If you do... They may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. And although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And then in verse 15, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and he invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field. And I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And then another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. And I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. And the servant came back and reported this to the master. And then the owner of the house became angry. And he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. And then the master told his servant, get out into the roads in the country, the, lane, the lanes, and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Tell you, not one of those who were invited will get to taste of my banquet. So we see this powerful story that Jesus illustrates. And I want us to see three things this morning that relate to this topic. Jesus is for everybody. Listen, we've been in a series called the Bring Series. We've been talking about why we need to bring others to church. And I can't think of a more relevant passage to inspire us to bring people to the party here at the house of God other than Luke 14. So first of all, there's an invitation. There's an invitation. And uh, God wants us to invite as many people as possible to the party because the kingdom of God is a party. Now, invitation to the things of God comes in and through relationships. Okay, I remember as a university student, the Campus Crusade for Christ organization announced that we're going to have a debate with the Atheist Agnostic Club at our university. And they rented out a big auditorium. 
And the place was packed out. I bet there were 500 college students that were at the, at the debate. And the atheist agnostics laid out their case. And the Bible-believing Christians, they laid out their case. And they had everybody fill out a card at the end of the debate. And I talked to one of my friends that was one of the organizers. And I said, what was the consensus? What happened? And he said, basically, everybody that was an atheist before left an atheist And everybody that was a Christian before was a Christian. He said, basically, it accomplished nothing. And I thought, you know what? Isn't that amazing? It's my experience that people come to faith in Christ. People come to the party not through debates or arguments, but through relationships. Relationships are the currency of the kingdom of God. And so God wants us to use and to leverage and to take advantage of the opportunities that we have in and through relationships. You know, down through the years, I've been a a soccer coach, a basketball coach. I have retired from coaching, I'm sad to say. But God gave me a lot of opportunity to meet a lot of folks as a coach. And, and, And I just see that as part of the mission of Jesus. You know, if I'm a coach, well, who do I know? So, so teammates down through the years have come to church and parents, and it's been awesome. It's been great. Um, your neighbors, you live next door to some people. You live down the street. Did you know God put you in that neighborhood for a purpose? Now, you may be thinking, I got to get out of here. <laughs> you know, maybe your apartment complex is driving you crazy. Maybe your HOA is sending you dirty letters. But I want to remind you that God has a high calling God has a purpose and God put you in that place for a very special reason. And that is so that you can point people to the Savior and bring people to the house of God. Invitation. It happens through invitation. And here the servant responds to the master and he goes out and he invites folks. Look look there in verse 12 and 13 again. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do that, they can invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you'll be blessed. In other words, don't don't go out and invite all the people that know Christ. Don't go out and, and just spend time with people who are whole. Bring the broken people to the house of God. Bring the hurting people. Bring the struggling people. Sometimes we gravitate towards people that all look like us and vote like us and talk like us. That's easy. Anybody can do that. What about everybody else? And Jesus paints this picture by talking about a banquet. It's a diverse banquet. It's all kinds of people. You know, I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be shocked one day at some of the people that make an appearance. We're going to be, we're going to be freaking out. She, she got to heaven? He knew the Lord? Oh my goodness. Some of us may be saying that about ourselves. Amen? <laughs> but it starts with an invitation. And, and the, the master compels the servants to go out and to invite. How do people know about the party? They, they respond to invitation. Many of you know I study over at Starbucks um, many mornings for, for, uh, throughout the week. And so I have a lot of Starbucks friends. 
And I made friends with a Jewish lady. You know, she would come in there and get a latte every morning about the time that I was there. And we would talk and whatnot. So I've been friends with her for two or three years. And I said, Susan, you got to come to church. She's like, you know, I'm Jewish. And I was like, you know what? We'd love to have you. She says, I normally do hot yoga on Sunday mornings, but because you invited me, I will come if I could come sweaty. I was like, you can come sweaty. No problem. So one Sunday morning, she showed up and sat in the back. And her experience at Edge Church absolutely exploded her mind. I mean, I talked to her afterwards. She was like, you talked about things that like normal people are going through. The music was, was enjoyable. The people were nice. I didn't even know that church could be like that. She was like, actually, I'm Jewish, and I don't know about Jesus, but I had a great time. Isn't that amazing? I think people would have a better time at church than they thought. But it starts with that invitation. That invitation. Why don't you come and sit by me this weekend? Don't just invite the Christians. Invite the people who need Christ, who need the Lord. And don't say no for people. I mean, how many times have I done this? And maybe you've done it before. You're like, I want to invite them to church. And you're like, they would never come to church. I'm not going to invite them. You know, some of the people that were Jesus' most devoted followers were the most unlikely people to begin their spiritual journey with Christ. Let's don't be the folks that are saying no for people. You really never know. In fact, one of our mottos here at the church is invite everyone you know because you never know. You never know what God is doing in the hearts of people. You really, you can't judge people by how they look. You can't judge people by their background because you really don't know what is going on in the hearts of, of people. We have no idea. Sometimes I'll invite people to church and they'll say, I can't come to church because I'm a skeptic. And I'm like, oh, okay, a skeptic. I'm like, now, are you an open-minded skeptic or a closed-minded skeptic? And I've never had somebody say, I'm a closed-minded skeptic. People always say, I'm, well, I'm an open-minded skeptic. I mean, come on, you know, like, who do you think I am? I'm like, then you ought to come to church. If you're open-minded, you ought to come and learn a little bit about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Would that be great? The look on people's face is amazing. It's priceless, you know? <laughs> or people say, I'm not a Christian. I can't come to church. I've said to people, you're, you're a perfect candidate to come to Edge Church, you know? I'm like, have you met some of my church members? I mean, you know, you would love it. You would have such a great time. And, and it's interesting that as Jesus is talking about invitation, there's a progression here in the parable. Check it out. In verse 17, it's invite. In verse 21, it's bring. In verse 23, it's compel. Do you see the progression? So, so it starts off kind of subtle, and it ends with a great level of intensity. Invite, bring, and compel. What does it mean to compel people to come to Christ, to come to church? It's a beautiful thing. It means, that, it means that maybe we don't let everybody get off the hook with one casual no. Amen? One of my good buddies that I've coached basketball with came to Easter services last year. Literally, I've been inviting this guy for four years. And he came last Easter. It took a long time. 
Sometimes we have to just keep being patient, right? And listen, just because somebody says no the first time doesn't mean that they will never come. It just may mean that you need to pray about it a little bit. Maybe you need to talk to them a little bit more. Be patient. I find it rare that somebody comes to church the very first time I invite them. It's rare. If I invite them several times, they're a little more likely. But I love this word compel there in verse 23. Look at it in Luke 14, 23. Then the master told the servants, go out in the roads and the county lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Now, Jesus loves a full house. Do you believe that? Amen? I mean, we want the house of God. We want this place to be full. I am so excited today because the mask mandates in our county were, were lifted a couple of weeks ago. And, and I got so excited. I went to the mall yesterday and the parking lot was full. And I just got so excited because people were doing like normal things. Amen. And, and it was feeling good. And one of those normal things that we need to get back to is coming to the house of God. We need to rebuild our church. It's been kind of a weird couple of years, but we need to be compelling people to come to the house of God. We need to get back to who we have always been, a welcoming, inviting house of worship that loves to have people come and hear about the message of Jesus Christ. We want to strongly urge. We want to persuade. Man, the church is a party. The kingdom of God is a party. It's a good time. It's a good time. How many of you, do you enjoy coming to church? Come on, put your hands together. If you just enjoy being here, amen? Is that true? Man, we're having a good time. We're having a real good time. We need some divine determination to bring more people to the house of God. There's an invitation. We ought to invite as many people as possible, but there's also an expectation. And I want you to check this out too. Because we have to understand that not everyone will attend. Now see, I would love to motivate you and inspire you today and get you like so pumped up and so full of adrenaline that you invite your whole neighborhood and you're so excited. And I do hope you do that. But I also want to set expectations because I have also found that when people understand reality, it helps them execute the things that God wants them to do. Not everybody that you invite is going to come to the party. Did you know it? I mean, unfortunately. Now, now I think a lot of people could come, but not everybody's going to be here. And they're not all coming next week, okay? So look at this right here in verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat the feast of the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who have been invited, come for everything is now ready, but they all alike begin to make excuses. Now check it out. I mean, this is in the Bible. This is in the story. Jesus sets expectations. He says, listen, not everybody that's invited to the party is going to show up. In the ancient world, there were two invitations. There was an original invitation, which is kind of like what we would call the RSVP, like I need to know how many people are coming to my house, so I need to know how much food to have. Okay, how many of you have done that before? Maybe you sit out one of those online invitations, or you sit out an email or something like that. You're trying to kind of figure out how much preparation, how many people are going to be there. There was also a second invitation 
a, a host would send the servants out to round everybody up once the food was prepared. Okay, people didn't have clocks, people didn't have text messaging, people didn't have social media. So, so you would go once you got all the preparations done, then you would go and you would say, "All right, guys, it's time to be there." Well, it's obvious in this story that Jesus is illustrating. Everybody said they were coming to the party, but they didn't show up. And the host is frustrated because he's like, I got all this food and all this drink, and I've been working hard to get the preparations together, and everybody ditched the party. Now, how would you feel? You know, if you had a birthday party and then nobody showed up, what would that be like? You'd be frustrated. So there's a first invitation, there's a second invitation, and look at these excuses. I mean, these are the lamest excuses, but the truth is people have not changed very much, amen? It's true. When my daughter was in kindergarten, she used to put her hand on, the hip, on her hip and say, Dad, that is so lame, you know? Well, I'm going to give you some lame excuses right here. Okay, here's one lame excuse. Possessions. You see, the first person said, I can't come because I bought a new field. And I can't come because of my real estate, because of my vacation home, because of my recreation. I can't come because of my stuff. And a lot of people are missing out on the things that God has for them because of their possessions. This man said, I got a new field. I need to go look at the field. Now listen, do you look at a field before you buy it or, or after? Well, probably you're going to check it out pretty, pretty, pretty well before you purchase, right? And parties were in the evening time, so I'm not sure exactly what this individual was going to do to go stare at an empty field at night, but, but this was a good enough excuse for him. I got stuff, okay? Here's the second excuse. I got work. He gives another, the second uh, individual gives another excuse. He says, I just bought these new oxen, you know? And again, is this guy going to go plow a field at night? No. But he's like, I got to go, I got to go check out the oxen, man. I'm so busy, you know. I've got possessions. I've got work. Look at the third excuse. I got a wife. I'm married. I just got married. I can't do anything. I've got family now. I've got kids. I've got a spouse. I, I got to go take care of my wife. And, and so I can't do anything. My wife won't let me go. I mean, people are making this, this is 2,000 years later. We're, we're making the same excuses about coming to the party that people were making in the times of Jesus. Possessions, work, family. But all of these are rooted in the same excuse, which is I don't see the value in the things of God. And we tend to think later, 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 later. I invited somebody to church not too long ago. They said, I can't come because I have to go to brunch. <laughs> and I said, you know, brunch at such and such restaurant is till 3 p.m. You know, I, I mean, I don't preach that long. I mean, come on, you know. I mean, I have to go to brunch. You know, Maybe somebody said that to you. Maybe you've said that. The church is full of hypocrites. I'm like, we could use one more. I mean, let's be honest. Is everybody a hypocrite at some level? Are non-believers hypocrites? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not just Christians. All of us are hypocrites at some level. So just come join the party. Quit worrying about it, you know? 
Somebody said, I'm against organized religion. I was like, well, come to our church. But I can tell you, our church is anything but organized, okay? <laughs> this place is crazy. I'm against organized religion. Yeah. We're disorganized religion. Amen? Ten years ago, somebody at church gave me a dirty look. I can't come to church. It kind of reminded me, like, you know, a couple of years ago, I was at a restaurant and I had really bad service, but I didn't stop eating out. One time I disagreed with a call of a referee at a basketball game, but I didn't ban my kid from playing basketball. One time I thought one of my kid's teachers wasn't teaching them everything that they should be learning, but I didn't pull my kids out of school. Amen? Do you, do you feel me today, church? Do you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> Doctors tell us that the emotional pain of rejection can at times be equivalent to a broken bone. See, I think one of the reasons why we're not bringing people to the party it's because it's the fear of rejection. Like it hurts in a way. But I've come to the conclusion, and, and, and the reason I keep inviting people, even though I do feel some rejection, is because of the joy of the celebration. And for me, the celebration is greater than the rejection. So it's that one person it's that one individual who comes to follow Christ. It's the celebration. It's the joy of the celebration. That's better than 10 rejections. It's so good. That's why in Luke 15 it says that the angels of heaven are rejoicing over one person that will turn their heart to the Lord. Oh, it's an awesome celebration. The kingdom of God is a party. It's a party. That's why we need to be inviting that's why we need to be bringing. That's why we, we, we use the phrase, be a bringer here at Edge Church. We want to set expectations. We realize that not everybody is coming to the party. But oh my goodness, we keep inviting because there's such a beautiful celebration. There's a celebration. We rejoice with those who come to the party. Now look there in verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who would eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Now see, people in the ancient world didn't eat meat regularly. Maybe one or two times a week. People didn't have like the sustenance that we have today. So a festival was a really big deal. I mean, we, we have things so easy. I, I don't know if we really quite get this. But people got really pumped about a party because they didn't do that normally. And when people come to the, when people come to the church, when people come to Christ, guess what? It's a huge party. It's a beautiful party. We had a lady that came and gave her life to Christ a few years ago. She was getting baptized. She took a group of the invite cards in your worship folder, and by the way, you guys have some of those in your worship folder that I, that I want you to use and invite some people this week. We have more in the lobby if you need them, but you have a few in your worship folder. She passed them out to the whole office, and one of the ladies said, I can't come to your church. I'm an atheist. 
She was like, no, I want you to come anyway. So the atheist friend shows up. She's nervous, sits in the back, you know, has this look on her face like she's so out of her element, you know. But when I gave the appeal at the end of the message, she gave her life to Christ. She moved from atheist to Christ follower because of one invitation. One invitation. One, one invitation to come and to hear the message of Jesus changed her life. She's never been the same since. You know, George Barna is the Christian pollster. He says that 73% of unchurched adults have never, ever been even invited to church. You know, we live in a city where a lot of people don't even know a Christian. I talk to people all the time. If they had a question about the Bible or about Jesus, they wouldn't even know who to ask. There are literally opportunities all over the place, everywhere we turn. Almost everybody you meet, they don't follow Jesus. What an opportunity! What a great opportunity. That's why verse 7 says in Luke 15, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Guys, it's all about the one. It's really about that one, that one person that God's putting on our heart today. That one person, that, that one individual Wow, we want the message of Jesus to go viral. When we first started our church, I, I was studying over at the, at the Barnes & Noble, over at the Southlands Mall. Many of you know where that is. And, and uh, they had a, a good Wi-Fi connection. It was warm, uh, which is a necessity because I'm from south of here. So I, I get cold a lot. So it was, it was warm there. So I studied there all the time. We didn't have an office. We didn't have a church building. We were a church start. We met in a school on Sunday mornings. There was a lady that was the manager there. Her name was Marianne. And so I started talking to Marianne. Marianne, how you doing? She was making lattes, and then she was putting the books on the shelves and all that. And one day I said to her, I said, I really want you to come and check out our church. We're meeting over at the school. I gave her an invite card. She said, I'm not going to come to your church. I'm a witch. I'm a witch. I was like, you know. Like I was waiting for her to smile and laugh or something. No, she was she was drop dead serious. I mean, she was she she was she was a witch. She was like, I practice the occult, I cast spells, I do the whole nine, you know, the whole nine yards or whatever it is. And I was like, Well, you know what? You're invited. You're invited. A few months later, she and her husband showed up at the church. I'm telling you, I literally almost fell off the platform that morning. I was like, man, what am I going to say? The witch just walked. I mean, I'm like, I mean, like, I'm like, Lord, I wasn't prepared. Like, I would have studied a little extra, prayed a little more or something before church. If I'd known the witch was going to come. Okay. I'm like, Lord, Jesus, help. Well, her and her husband started coming to church every single weekend. They came more than you guys come. They're here all the time, man. And a few months after they came, the husband called me and he said, Pastor, I need to meet with you. My wife has left. I'm devastated. I don't know what to do. 
I met with him, the husband of the witch gave his life to Christ. After a period of time, the divorce was finalized. He met a Christian lady. They got married. And he called me a couple of years ago after having moved to New Jersey. And he said, Pastor, I want to thank you for that invitation. Because guess what? He said, my, my Christian wife and I attend church every single weekend. We're in a Bible study group. We serve in the church. And he said, we even tithe. And I was like, whoa. you know. And he said, I just wanted to call and thank you so much for inviting me to the party. Guys, that's what it's all about. It's all about the life change. God is working. God is moving. God is doing so many things that we don't even have any idea what he's doing. But God is always busy. And he's looking for a people that will say, listen, come and join me at church. I want to invite you to be my guest. I want you to come to the party. Will you pray with me?